Hey the hell are you folks, welcome back to the Higher Training Podcast. If this is your first time, welcome aboard. Thanks for coming along for the journey. If you're a repeat customer, hope you enjoy this one. This week we are joined by Daniel Strauss, aka the Raspberry Ape. Daniel is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, he's a very high level competitor. He is also well known for his strength training, which involves a lot of grip, a lot of stone lifting, and it also involves wearing denim all the fucking time now we speak a little bit about why he wears denim and the benefit of that and also dig into why he got into brazilian jiu-jitsu and what kept him going and some of the lessons he's learned and also learn a little bit more about his style of training and why he incorporates what he incorporates interesting conversation if you're into combat sports and if you're into training this one is going to be a fucking brilliant one for you and i hope you enjoy it Boom, and uh, we are live. Thanks again for coming on, Daniel. Absolutely. My pleasure. pleasure, mate. My pleasure. And uh, for a lot of people that mightn't know you, I don't want to start rambling on what, what you're about or what you do. So give us a little snippet of who is the Raspberry Ape. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the Raspberry Ape is someone who uh, likes to roll around and do jujitsu. Uh, and I guess, I guess I'm all about uh, grappling and uh, balancing that with uh, strength and conditioning as well. Um, my, the two main passions of mine grappling is definitely the main passion all of my strength work is based around grappling uh, but I've, I've really fallen in love with um, strength training and movement and stuff like that as well class and talking about it fitting in around your grappling um, was that an interesting thing early on obviously when you're trying out some of these more unorthodox methods I'd say the doms the days after you were like no way I'm going out and able to roll after that oh yeah, well, when I started uh, doing strength and conditioning stuff, it wasn't particularly unorthodox. You know, right. it wasn't as unorthodox stuff that I do now. And uh, to be honest with you, a lot of the stuff that I do... Be... Okay, so generally, if you do something over and over again, mm. you don't get doms from it because mm. you, your body's used to it. So you think when you, when you do novel things... You don't, uh, when you do novel things, you're going to get sore a lot of the time, which, which happens sometimes, yeah. but because they're novel, you haven't already built up strength in them, which means that you generally don't have to lift as heavy with a lot of stuff, right? Um, yeah, which means that you, you, uh, look, sometimes I get dom, sometimes I'll do something and I, I'll go, but, but nowadays I'm getting a lot less doms yeah. than I did in the past when I was focusing actually more on the traditional stuff, to be honest with you, when I was doing big bench workouts, big uh, squat workouts, stuff like that. Then that's when I was getting bad doms. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember when I first started doing strength and conditioning properly, um, it was um, a guy called Jude Samuels. He's like, uh, he's the first UK bred uh, black belt. And he uh, started doing some conditioning work with me before I went to the Worlds in 2008. So it was quite a long time ago. I was about 17. Uh, I'd done a little bit of stuff, but this is the first time I was doing conditioning. Mm. And I was, I remember it was the first time I started training twice a day and I had to, every, I'd go do conditioning with Jude and then I'd get into an ice bath and that would recover me enough that I could go and do another jujitsu session. Yeah. And that was the only way I could get through. But once you've been doing it for a long time, the doms aren't too bad if you're smart about it. Absolutely. And you're probably, when you're coming to like those, like for the unorthodox methods that I'm speaking about for anybody who doesn't know, it's like stone lifting. Obviously you do a lot of grip work. Uh, I seen you whipped out the long sword earlier. Uh, yeah, those those sort of things. Um, obviously, if there's a big learning cur- curve early on. Like I'd say, the first few times trying out some of them, you're humbled a lot. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. I can't. I can't remember the first time I I, I I picked up the sandbag, to be honest with you. There's some things that I remember the first time I did it, mm. uh, even really, really long ago. Sandbag, I can't remember the first time I did it, but um, yeah, it's just very different. Uh, and I came from, at the time, uh, a background in, uh, not, not, not a background in powerlifting. I never competed or anything like that, but I used to really focus on those big lifts, squat. Uh, uh, I always had a problem with my back, so not a lot of deadlift, but lots of squats and bench. Mm. uh and yeah as i transitioned into stuff like sandbags and then eventually in the stone lifting it is humbling in a way because unlike a bar there's not you know it's a lot more of a puzzle it's not ergonomic it's not designed to be lifted yeah. even though sandbag is technically is designed to be lifted but it's really just designed to pack a load of weight into an awkward shape and you know opposed to the the, the specific dimensions of a barbell the knurling on a barbell and all of that stuff which is really designed to be as ergonomic as possible sandbags aren't uh but 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 that's that's exciting you know and, and that's why i really like natural stones atlas stones are cool mm. but natural stones are really cool because every single one is different you can get a hundred hundred kilo stones and they'll all be different to lift because of the texture the size so the density will affect the size the slipperiness the weather conditions if you're lifting them outside is it a dry day is it a hot day is it a cold day is it a wet day is it muddy yeah. is it balanced on one side is it sharp is it does it have rounded edges does it so have much handles? to fucking go into it so yeah, much exactly yeah but it's so, uh, it, makes, it makes it fun when you do it because uh, it's like a puzzle every time you do mm. it but that's kind of similar to jujitsu in a way. I look at that like uh, puzzles for adults with violence in it. Like, hundred percent. Yeah, it's problem solving. Problem, problem solving. solving. I like that a lot about it. Whenever I started uh, jujitsu, I'd say it was about two years ago. I'm still like new, new enough into it, but that was something that drew drew to me straight away because I was used to training like bodybuilding style. You're mm. going for reps, you're going for sets, lifting heavier weights and stuff. There wasn't really a problem solving or like a skill element to it to degree. Um, obviously you can yes, get better very different. It's very different yeah and BJJ provides that but it makes you learn to accept failure very early on was that something that you attracted you to it early on or was it like to jiu-jitsu jiu yeah so when I started jiu-jitsu I was 15 years old and I weighed about mm, about 50 kilos so I was, I was very small I was very yeah. weak uh, it wasn't very athletic I had no real, um, never really excelled at any sports as a kid. Mm. Um, just wasn't something that I was into. And, and jiu-jitsu was kind of the first thing that I ever really tried very hard, to be honest with you. So uh, at the time, which was 2006, I, um, there, there weren't kids' classes. There weren't juvenile classes. There weren't even juvenile divisions in competitions. Everyone that I trained with was an adult. Everyone that I trained with was bigger. Everyone I trained with was stronger. And I got my ass handed to me habitually for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, man, that was, it was, it, it, I always kind of had that, that, that thought experiment. What if I got into jujitsu when I was as big and strong as I am now compared to how, uh, to, to, to when I got into it when, when I did? It would be a completely different thing, and I, different wouldn't, style be as, I wouldn't be as good. I wouldn't be as good, and I wouldn't enjoy it as much, and I wouldn't appreciate it. And my game would be very different. So I'm very glad that I did it when I when I did it. Absolutely, I I said well, I started very late as well. I'm 26 now. 24 was whenever I started, and I was like, I wish I started yeah, when I was not, younger. It's not, it's not too late. It's not too late. Nah, no, definitely not. I'm 
one thing I do like about it is it humbled me very early on. Like, oh, there's a nipple slipping out there. <laughs> uh, oh, you've a few... nipple, uh, get him out, get him out, get him out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Too hot not to have the nipples out these days, 100%, man. 100% free the nipple, yeah. Um, yeah, it humbled me very early on. Not that I would have been like a very, uh, not like self, like I wouldn't thought I was class or anything like that, but it did humble me early on. And I noticed that it humbles a lot of people, you know, people come in strong, Thinking, well, that's can... it. That's it. They, they, they come in with some, either they just feel that they're strong or big mm. or both, or they come in from a background in another sport, be it rugby, be it, um, be it uh, another martial art or something, uh, or, or lifting, powerlifting, whatever. Uh, but but I, I, I was never humbled because I came in smaller and weaker than everyone. I was always yeah. the underdog. I never thought that I'd be able to beat everyone. It was kind of the opposite way for me. And I think that's the psychology that you get when kids come into training against adults is they're not going to get humbled because they've got no ego to begin with. Yeah. Uh, so I was lucky in that sense. Brilliant. And uh, whenever you kind of start noticing the difference, what, like obviously you put on a lot of size then and you got a lot stronger. Um, what was that like? Was it hard to transition your game? Like when you got stronger, did you try and still stick to like, obviously when you're smaller, you have to focus more and a lot more and honing your technique than rather than using strength. Was it a strange adaptation or you just did everything a lot better? Uh, yeah, well, I don't think that you should focus more on technique when you're smaller of course that is tends to be what can happen a lot of the yeah. time because uh you make up for your inadequacies uh with power and strength uh in, in holes in your technique when you're when you have that strength to make up for and you can't do that when you're smaller um so i obviously i was 50 kilos i was 15 14 or 15 years old uh i was growing naturally anyway you know so I put on about 20, 25 kilos, up to about 75 kilos, just what I would have put on anyway uh, from, from growing from a, a, a teenager into a young adult around about 18, 19. Yeah. Um, so so it, it happens over such a long amount of time that, um, that your game, look, your, your jiu-jitsu game will develop naturally. Yeah. Even if nothing changes in your body, your game will change. Mm. Uh, that's just how it, your game will not be the same today as it is in 10 years time or in five years time or in two years time, probably not in one year's time. Uh, but obviously if there's radical differences in your physiology, then that will exacerbate any changes and influence the direction in which those changes happen. So uh, my game has changed, of course, but my game has changed in the last five years where I've not really got much bigger or much stronger or my weight's gone up and down and the amount of strength training that I've done has gone up and down. Mm. So there hasn't been a huge amount of fluctuation. Uh, so I, I was very glad that I put the weight on uh, slowly over many years. Um, opposed to, you know, if, if you were very 75 quickly. kilos or 50, if you were 60 kilos and then you click your fingers and you were 90 kilos, it's going to be completely different. Yeah. So I did it very slowly, which allowed me, it gave me a big advantage because it meant that I was um, faster than a lot of people my size. And I was maybe a little bit more technical than some of the people my size uh, because I'd had to refine my technique more precisely when I was smaller. Mm. Um, but yeah, your, your, your game naturally changes and adapts. Um, yeah, yeah. That's about it. When it comes to like, you're very technical. I was listening to some videos of you doing um, workshops and stuff. And 
even talking about stone lifting and any of the strength stuff, you're very, you're very technical about how you approach it. And you, do, you obviously look at it like a, a puzzle. Did you get, like, obviously in jiu-jitsu, you kind of have to get that approach nearly to look at it that way. But do you apply that in other areas apart from, like, like lifting and, and in BJJ? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess what I describe, and I think John Danaher has used this. I'm not taking it from him. I think he, he says it's problem solving with dire physical consequences in some form. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but that's always what I've considered myself as a problem solver. That's always been what I've considered myself. Even when I was young, like uh, people would bring me a problem and I'd find a way to do it, whether it's like, you know, to give you some examples, I'd, uh, we had to replace one of the ropes that we had hanging very, very high, you know, like uh, two stories high, um, this rope in the gym. And I kind of embraced the challenge of working away and I created some elaborate system of pulleys <laughs> and some mad shit and we got it done. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, even something I remember, what a phone fell behind somewhere that was really hard to reach in the gym. So they're waiting for me to come in. They're like, Dan, we need to get this out. And I'm like, okay, we need to make some sort of phone captured a device that we can slide <laughs> down the side. So that's always been something that's interested me, which is like a challenge and a problem, which mm. is why I love uh, jujitsu so much. And I think it's why I enjoy some of the lifting stuff as well, that it mm. is a little bit of a problem solving. Uh, why I got a little bit, I did for a while, don't get me wrong. For a while, I just did like Wendler 531 and I just did squats and pull-ups and bench press. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but after a while, that gets a little bit stagnant. Uh, I do like the the constant task of, of of problem solving, and I think that a big part of problem solving is understanding uh, the mechanisms that go behind something. Uh, you can't really solve problems without understanding what has caused the problems, and also understanding the application and mechanism of what can fix those problems. So uh, I think naturally I've always had a uh, penchant for sort of the inner workings of things, be that the inner workings of physiology for your your strength training mm. or the inner workings of physiology when you're grappling or the inner workings of, uh, of, of technique work, uh, leverage and physics principles or psychological principles when it comes to grappling or even just communicating with, with individuals. So yeah, uh, I don't think that you need to be that analytical to be good at something. Mm. I think it helps. Uh, but one of the other big differences, and, and definitely, uh, I don't know whether which which one came first, but I started teaching jujitsu at a very young age. Right. So I started yeah, te teaching jujitsu when I was sixteen. So I, I just got my blue belt, and I had my own class of adults that I was teaching on a weekly basis, and I taught continuously to this day. So I've been teaching for like thirteen years um, on on a consistent basis. Obviously, a lot more over the last uh, number of years. Uh, but when you teach something, it forces you um, to, in my opinion, there's, uh, the way that I look at it, there's basically two ways that you can teach, which is you can show something or you can teach something. Mm. And, and even for a lot of people, they go, well, that's the same thing. It is not the same thing. Definitely not. There, are some, there are some instructors that show techniques. There are some instructors that teach techniques. And the simplest way for me to break that down is I believe it's the difference between you, you give a man a fish and you teach a man a fish. I can show you how to do a rear naked choke or I can explain to you why that is how you do a rear naked choke. And if you understand, if you get that, if you understand why that's how you do it, you can then uh, take those principles and you can apply them to things that aren't um, specifically pertaining to the rear naked choke. Yeah? yeah. So it's understanding more on a conceptual basis.
yeah absolutely and that's one thing i i learned early on when i uh, when i started doing uh jujitsu i was like looking to just do specific techniques and then i was kind of told no it, it's not just about those specific techniques you know those, those will come it's more about the concepts early on you know uh and i i like that and i kind of it definitely helped me with my coaching side, uh, side of things mm-hmm. rather than looking at just methods you know look at some uh concepts and you know your principles rather than just looking at specific training modes or whatever you're doing yeah and it, yeah it, it, it's very it's very difficult for beginners to um i think that you need to um i think that you need to reach a certain level before you can actually start being competent enough in anything to start seeing beyond the superficial mm. you know you cannot tell a uh, a beginner in your grappling class who's never done any bjj you can't really you have to be very uh, tactful in how you try and convey the importance of a conceptual and abstract approach to learning, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you say to someone, if you try and go super deep um, into something very early on, I think that you need to feed it to them slowly. And, and some people get that much faster. Uh, I use a lot of... Um, I, 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 so for when I teach, I very rarely refer to anything by the Japanese name or the um, or a technical name uh, or all of the crazy names that we have in jiu-jitsu. Uh, I, I prefer to, to describe them unless it's really long-winded. I, put, I prefer to describe the technique, how it is. It's uh, hips facing the head side control in, instead of, uh, what's it, Kezagatami. Even though I might say Kezagatami as well, but yeah. I won't just go, okay, guys, we're going in the Kezagatami. And everyone's like, well, some people might know what that is and some people don't. I wouldn't have the fucking clue. I'd be looking at you like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> yeah, so I'll be like, hips facing the head, side control. Yeah. Hips facing the hip, side control. And then standard side control in the middle. Uh, I prefer to be a little bit more descriptive and sort of use um, uh, anatomy and ranges of motion. Is, it's, it's, it's very, I think it's very important to understand how your body works. It's always been something that I've been really interested in. Mm. Um, especially when it comes to, you know, the difference between changing your hands in different positions and understanding the different angles and movements that your body makes. And I think on a long term, when you teach people, they should be able to, you shouldn't just, when you teach someone jujitsu, they should have a better understanding of anatomy as well by the end of it. Yeah. I think, I think that helps. That's going to help them understand what they're doing and also be able to convey that information to someone else. Absolutely. And I thought that it definitely helped me early on knowing anatomy because I did yeah. uh, I did sports science degree way back when and been coaching for a few years and I would be quite fascinated with like anatomy and biomechanics as well not at the level of you I know you're at a deep level you dig in deep but well, uh, I'm not sure I've never done a course so it's very likely that, you, that you've <laughs> yeah, gone but into I'm sure you, you've, you I didn't spend as much time in the books when I was in college as as most people would expect <laughs> a lot oh, of drinking enough. did go on <laughs> Uh, but, but, but I guess I guess like uh, I know what I need to know to teach yeah. jiu-jitsu if that makes sense yeah exactly exactly yeah. but uh, that like even having a small knowledge of like anatomy and biomechanics can almost help you like some 100%. positions I would have got in I'm like right I don't know any specific techniques but I know if I do such and such like I'm kind of safe or I can almost put put in a submission like I'd probably be doing it ass ways but I at least could manage something you yeah, know 100% 100% and uh, when when it comes to like you know learning more about anatomy, when did that start? Was that when you were teaching, or was that when you wanted to just learn when you were an athlete yourself? 
Yeah, I, I, I've actually al- always been really interested in, in anatomy in general. Mm. Um, I think it's something that probably uh, the more I taught, the more I got into it and understanding planes and ranges of motion and, uh, and, and all of that jazz. Um, yeah, I just think it helps a lot. It helps a lot to teach. But my interest in physiology and anatomy, uh, I, I actually think goes back further than me actually doing jujitsu. Right. So that I had a, I had a little bit of sort of a self-taught base beforehand. Cool. And what was the like when you were learning like to teach? Obviously, there's a lot of people you can look for for like role models or advice or like reading books. Was there anything that you kind of went to early on to improve yourself as a teacher? Or did you kind of look at what other people did and emulated it? Yeah. So the, the, the short answer to that is that no, I never really studied. Um, there's, there's a word for uh, the, sort of the study of teaching. I can't mm. actually remember what it is. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I never studied teaching, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, I was always because because I had the advantage of being very hands on from a young age, and as long and which which can be completely useless if you don't have the uh, predisposition to be self critical and try and improve yourself. If you just go, well, I'm just going to fucking I'm going to show these people a technique and whatever, and not think about it ever again. Mm. But if you try and improve yourself, you will improve yourself. Um, and then you can throw some other stuff in, in terms of like a book to learn about anatomy, um, terminology, I don't know. Uh, but, but, but you know, the, the internet is a wonderful thing. Yeah. You can the learn it in these days. Thing. If you want to, if you want to learn about all of the, the, the ways that our wrist works, go and watch a video you know, you can, you can watch a thousand different videos that explain basic anatomy and stuff like that. Uh, and I think actually, I think for some people who do jujitsu already, and don't know any of this it's even more fun because you get to go and watch something and you go oh wait a minute that that's like an armbar mm. that's that oh that's like a that's like what i do when i do a guillotine or you know you can go through all of the different things that you already know and reverse engineer it oh that's the range of motion that i've been doing oh, i've been super near in the hand oh you yeah. know I, I i i always try and uh get onal deviation or some, some something like that yeah yeah and i think looking at it like trying to relate movements that you almost do in like your sport. I, I, I like doing it. I work with athletes as well. And I kind of try and emulate not too much. Obviously you don't want to be working on techniques, but you know, even things like grip, like if they get, if they use that sort of grip or they're demanding the forearm a lot, put them in movements where it demands like, you know, do false grip pull-ups or whatever the hell you're using or some of your crazy torture weapons that you have. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. So, so yeah, no, for sure. Uh, the, 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 the understanding of uh, physiology and anatomy plays perfectly into the ability to transfer something from, uh, from the mat into the weight room. And I think that there's my thinking and theories and my principles when it comes to strength and condition have changed uh, continuously over the years that I've been doing them. Uh, and now I pretty much believe that there is room for everything with it, with there's room for everything within reason. If you have intention and understanding as to why you're doing it, yeah. you know, th- there was a time right. where I would say, um, there's someone doing a very, very specific technique. Uh, they're doing, uh, you know, bicep curls on the ground to work on their, uh, armbar defense. And I go, this is so dumb. 
<laughs> you know, just get strong biceps. But now, you know, I'm a little bit more forgiving, actually. Yeah. Um, even when it comes to, there was a time where this person's doing a half rep, this person's form is bad, this person's arching their back. And nowadays, I'm a lot more forgiving of all of those things. Form is a very relative concept. Uh, and as long as you understand why you're doing things the way you're doing them, maybe it's okay. Yeah, your body will adapt. The body is a fucking amazing thing. Like, oh yeah, amazing thing. I had a guy on uh, a, few, a couple of weeks back. He had a really bad case of like numerous injuries. Told you know he shouldn't play sport and all this. And he basically just took it upon himself to learn more about the body and get himself back to good physical shape. And it's mm. just the stuff he does now is crazy. But like, you would be somebody that would kind of you know challenge from your videos, like put, uh, lifting all that heavy shit you do, challenging the people that say you need to keep a straight back when you're doing shit. And, and some people go crazy over that. They're like, no, yeah. it has to be perfect form. But if and, you build the strength, yeah, it's there. I, I, and the interesting thing from that is that like, I've suffered really badly with back injuries in the past. You know, mm, I heard you speak uh, about that. And, and I have a pre, I don't have, I, or, or let's put it this way. I wasn't born with a bulletproof back. Mm. You know, I, I don't do things that are going to fuck my back up. The stuff that people think is going to fuck my back up, it doesn't feel like it's fucking it up. It feels like <laughs> it's pretty strong, you know? So, yeah. uh, but, but, but I'm do, I do things today that I wouldn't have dreamt that I'd ever be able to in the past. So that, that, that just goes back to the whole uh, evolution of training uh, methodologies and principles and stuff like that. Yeah, you have to always be evolving, always learning. You know, hundred yeah, definitely, hundred percent. Oh, and uh, when when it came to like when you started doing the more uh, unorthodox methods, like we spoke about before, was there anybody in like uh, jujitsu that was kind of being like, "Why are you doing that for questioning, doing it and competing as well?" Yeah. So, um, in terms of people questioning me, I, I think I was I was lucky in the sense of I had already got a a reputation of being strong. Um, and having good knowledge before I started to get more out there, right. so to speak. Um, for the most part, people, I'm, I'm, I'm not claiming to be anything. I'm not claiming to do anything. I'm mm. just, it's, it's very much a journey of exploration and, and definitely no more than, than I've ever, this has never been more true than right now. Because for the last three or four years or whatever, I uh, have lifted between two or three times a week, not a huge amount, because I'm, I'm training jiu-jitsu every day or yeah. almost every day. Um, now, for the last three months, I haven't been training jiu-jitsu at all, which means that I have had so much more time, so much more energy, so much more recovery um, and forgiveness for my body uh, to, 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 to spend a lot more time working out. And just, you know, I've got, I've got nothing else to do. Yeah. So uh, I've explored movements and uh, principles and ideas of um, what people would consider unorthodox lifting not more over the three months than I have in, in years beforehand. So, um, yeah, for the, for the most part, to answer your question, I don't get too many people uh, telling me that it's stupid. I think for the most yeah, maybe I'm just lucky. Maybe I'm just in a situation where people respect me enough that I don't get that. Mm. Uh, but I've, I've seen it. 
it, I've just been lucky it's never happened to me. I don't care if it does. Yeah, I didn't think you'd give a pe- fuck anyway. <laughs> I wouldn't give a fuck because other people's opinions really do, do mean nothing to me. Uh, yeah. when, when they're positive, I appreciate people who spread positivity regardless of the context. Yeah. And, I, and, and uh, people are sometimes, uh, if people are critical within reason, then I, I definitely take it on board. Uh, I, I, you know, I have people on the podcast sometimes, or people message the podcast sometimes, or write shit saying, uh, you, you know, Dan, you keep on interrupting your guests, try not to talk so much. I go, okay, <laughs> that, that, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna give that a go. But yeah. then you'll get someone else messaging going, oh, you're an ugly bastard, and you're a shit interviewer. <laughs> and I go, well, I don't really care about too much about nah, that. Nah. Um, so yeah, uh, but I've seen I've seen some people who are incredibly strong doing some unbelievable unorthodox feats of strength who have been uh, really bombarded and harassed to the point of leaving social media uh, because of the swarm of really ignorant, closed-minded people. Yeah. Uh, so it definitely happens. Uh, I've just, I'm lucky that A, it doesn't really happen with me and B, uh, I really wouldn't care that much if it did. Yeah, I, that's, I, that's why I didn't think you'd give a fuck anyway, but I do think there's a lot of people that do give a lot of negativity towards people trying different things in training and like if you don't follow a certain methodology like more so obviously in my my area in coaching there's people like if you don't do this type of training you're a fucking idiot yeah, or whatever yeah and it, you shouldn't have to pigeonhole yourself into one thing borrow what's useful to you for whatever you want to do you know, you know? Uh, yeah i agree uh, but at the same time i've been that person mm. you know at the same time i've been i've been a person who thinks that's dumb that's yeah. stupid why are they doing that i still see some stuff and i go <laughs> ah, you know i'm not so sure about this comes back to why though if you have a why exa- it's got there's got to be intention there yeah and and, 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 a, and a legitimate thing um but uh yeah so in the so maybe it's not that the person is uh a cert- predisposed to a certain uh tendency um or personality it might be just they're, they're, they're immature in their training and maybe they'll hopefully grow one day to understand. Uh, but a lot of people, a lot of people stay in that very closed mindset forever. Yeah. Um, for those people, I just feel sorry. Same, same. Yeah, definitely big change for me moving from a small town, moving over to the London, uh, Ireland, small town, obviously. They're a little bit more, less open-minded as they are over here. And part of what I want to do with this podcast is just try and, get people's minds to open a little bit even if one person changes yeah. their opinion something i'm fucking delighted yeah know? well being being able to change one person's opinion is a is a pretty impressive feat to be honest with you you know that having that that uh, yeah putting something out there that changes something in another human being it it doesn't sound like a big deal but when you actually think about what you're doing it, it's really quite amazing yeah absolutely and uh when it like obviously you said you don't give a fuck what people think unless it's positive uh i could tell that straight away first time i seen you uh fucking with the i think it was with the ultimate warrior giddy up on i was like this man does not give a fuck <laughs> one of my mates was that close me, yeah he uh he had been following you for a while and i was like, oh yeah that's fucking, fucking oh was brilliant. that on, on on instagram in instagram yeah it was yeah, ages so, so ago. I, yeah 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 i had that um Oh, there was one. I went out on a night out in that, but then I, I, I refereed. I run, I run a tournament That's called Chaos, and I, yeah. I refereed uh, uh, in the Ultimate Warrior get up the whole time. But man, once you, you channel the spirit of the Ultimate Warrior, you know, oh, nothing, nothing's gonna take nothing's gonna take you down. So no, and uh, <laughs> you're obviously a big wrestling fan. Then when you were younger, were you? I, I wasn't a no. massive wrestling fan. No, no, no. I think you just uh, like I, the giddy up. Do you know what? I've, I've, I like wrestling more 
as I got older than when uh, I was younger, I think that, that you have that thing when you're young, which is like, this is fake. That's, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's so dumb. Why, you know, what, why do people care? And then you get older and you actually realize like it's showmanship and it's excitement and it's entertainment. And that's something that I didn't uh, grasp so well as a kid, but I understand a lot more as, uh, as I grow up. And, and, and also as a, as a professional athlete, I am an entertainer. Mm. You know, don't, don't like Absolutely. make no mistake. That is what we are. Sport is just entertainment. Yeah. Don't, like no athlete should ever think that they are above. You are there to entertain someone. That's it. Yeah. You're definitely entertaining to watch whenever you're grappling. Anyway, the, the fit. I try. Banging I try, the chest, try, man. Try. <laughs> <laughs> All about banging the chest. Uh, reminding me a little bit of Michael Jordan. I've been watching a little bit of the Last Dance. I was like, I just maybe... watched the first episode. I just oh, yeah? watched the first episode. I, I need to watch the rest. Everyone's talking about it, but yeah, he, oh. he is, a, he is a, definitely a, a, a specimen of a human. Yeah. Absolutely a specimen. Uh, go, uh, going back to your saying, like how much I, I noticed that you didn't give a fuck when you're on Instagram. Is that something you've, you've always been like? To... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'd say so. I, I think a lot of people naturally, uh, another thing that I've always been lucky to, to have sort of intrinsically since I can, as, as old, you know, as young as I can remember, mm. um, a lot of people shy away from being different, mm. shy away. They don't want to be the odd one out. Um, and that was something that I never shied away from. I was always very happy to be the weird kid <laughs> or the one doing something different from everyone else. Uh, maybe not, not necessarily in, in an attention seeking way, but in a way of, I don't want to be normal. I don't want to be like everyone else. Some people just want to, uh, kind of fit in with the crowd and other people don't want to very specifically don't want to fit in with the crowd. Uh, and that's something that I've always felt since I, since I was as old as I, uh, from the age that I can remember. Uh, so, you know, I've never, I've never really cared too much about anything to be honest with you. <laughs> Class. Yeah, that's something that I've definitely, I'd be probably in the opposite side of things. I would have been very different when I was younger. Uh, wouldn't have been, definitely wouldn't have fucking messaged somebody on Instagram to see if they do a podcast. Definitely <laughs> fucking wouldn't have done that. Uh, but Well, good, good for you to do that. Yeah, no, I think that was, a lot of people do struggle with that, you know, like fucking caring about what people think. And yeah. uh, it's definitely, definitely good for like the likes of yourself and people just showing that they don't give a fuck, you know. And then people would be like, right, if he doesn't give a fuck, then why, why do I care what other people yeah. think unless it's positive? Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think uh, we, uh, do you know, what? And, and one of the ways that I, that I kind of sum it up is uh, there's a lot of academies out there that, um, that um, mandate a uniform in their class. So everyone wears white geese or everyone has to wear the same rash garden short combination. Yeah. And what it does is when you take that picture at the end of the class, it looks awesome. And it looks like a real army regimented and everyone's, you know, in uniform. I hate that. You know, well, I obviously if I see loads of people wearing my rash guard or something like that, that's cool. Yeah, but yeah, actually yeah. what I want to see from my team is a bunch of, misfits different one person's like the Bunch six foot five guy the midget you know like different characters wearing crazy things and uh, sort of that individuality so uh i think uh, more of sort of like a 
when you look at like a superhero team and everyone <laughs> looks completely different yeah. opposed to when you look at like a, you know the, the villainous team always look the same right there is like an army of clones like the, dodgeball but, in dodgeball when they're all wearing the same uniform that, global that's gym it, that's it that's <laughs> it you all want to be wearing crazy stuff so uh yeah it, it goes back to that i think uh, individuality is a very important thing and i think it's quite liberating you know one because once you step outside that sphere of uh wanting to be like everyone else you can really have a lot of freedom to do whatever you want absolutely that's it, it's a powerful thing like i, I i've only kind of started getting out of my shell a little bit recently, like posting on social media and, mm. and doing all that, but it can help. The more of you, more of it you do, the more it helps. I'm sure you've noticed like your probably confidence and at speaking and such as skyrocket with your podcast. Yeah. Well, like, uh, again, it's something that I've been very, um, you know, when it comes to co- like, uh, confidence and stuff, stuff like that, I think there's definitely a, uh, either, a a, a nature, uh, you know, a genetic component to that or a nurture from a young age. Uh, how, com- how much confidence do you have to speak in public and stuff like that? Uh, but then also I've been teaching jujitsu since I was 16 years old. Right. So I've been talking to people for a long time. I started teaching seminars when I was maybe 18 years old. Uh, so I've definitely done a lot of speaking uh, with the podcast. Yeah, you know, the, the more that I've spoken to people in that format, because it is a little bit weird to sit in front of someone and talk to them for my podcast would be two, three hours hours sometimes even more than that um but yeah i think um i I was already i was already sort of uh i i wasn't unconfident when i started the podcast but like with anything the more you do of anything the more confident you become at being able to do that every time you you hit a rep every time you do a pull-up you get more and more confident that you're going to be able to do the next one yeah, I like that. Applies comparison. to everything. Yeah, I, I like to compare or like doing things like public speaking or whatever you're working on. It's just like getting reps in exactly the same thing. 100%. Everything that you do, posted on social media, going for a run, having the same breakfast every day, you know, going to bed at the same time. Everything you do, the more you practice it, the better you get, whether it's easy, hard, or anything in between. Are you a routine sort of a person? Uh, there. Well, over the last three months, I have been, you know, yeah. over the last three months, when, when you, 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 take, you pretty much take away the option to have any variety. Yeah. Um, and I think there are some benefits to that. You know, I'm not someone who keeps a strict routine all the time. Mm. Uh, but over the last three months, it's been, you know, pretty, pretty same, same every day, to be honest. Yeah. Kind of ground, Groundhog Day-ish. So uh, usually then it'd be more controlled chaos than routine than... Well, you know, there's, there's more freedom. You go, yeah. you know, I'm going to go to the gym or I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to, you know, you, you might be bored in the evening. You give someone a call when you go and meet up and go to the cinema. It's just the ability to uh, sort of uh, have a bit of spontaneity, which you can't really have when you're locked nah, inside your house. Definitely not. Uh, <laughs> and like, obviously, you're, you're a high level uh, jiu-jitsu competitor. Like how much training do you put in a week? Like how many hours are we talking? uh well at the moment none uh, well let, so, let's say a normal life <laughs> so so yeah it, it's an interesting question i don't have like a so the last four years before uh october i was teaching uh i was teaching four times a week uh but i was doing a lot of seminars and a lot of traveling and stuff like that 
I'd, so I'd have my three classes, my four classes a week, and I'd train pretty much in all of those classes. Um, and then I'd try and get some training separately with some other things. But a lot of it is listening to your body. Do yeah. I feel good? Do I want to train today? Am I going to take a rest day? Uh, and then a lot of it is based around me doing stuff that isn't so scheduled. It's I'm going to go do a seminar. Some seminars are half an hour away. Some seminars are five hours away. Some seminars I got to fly for. Some, some ones is just a short drive. Uh, so then it's just kind of fitting it in. Um, I, I, you know, I definitely haven't trained as much as I'd like to. I'd probably say I get maybe, maybe six hours, five or six hours a week of jujitsu, maybe, maybe three or four hours of strength and conditioning work. That's, 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 I, I would expect it uh, more, not yeah, like, because oh, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't definitely. have had a clue. I wouldn't know anybody who would be at the same level as you. So I was kind of trying to piece the puzzle Oh no, there's there's a lot of people who definitely put a lot more hours in to um to 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 to, to the grappling. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why I got in the strength and conditioning is because with the the state that my back was in when I injured it like seven years ago, mm. I couldn't do the volume of grappling right. that I wanted that I would have had to to maintain an elite level. So I supplemented that with the strength and conditioning work. And it's only in the last couple of years that my back seems to have recovered to a point where I can actually increase the amount of training that I was going to do. And um, I stopped teaching in October of last year in order to be a little bit more of a full-time athlete opposed to an instructor as well. Right. Uh, and then I went, to, I went to Thailand. I went to Australia. I wanted to do a bit of traveling. Uh, and then I did a seminar tour because I wanted to make some money. So I, yeah. so I did a seminar tour for March, uh, middle of February to middle of March for a month and then my plan was to come back in middle of march or end of march and then train very very hard twice a day jiu-jitsu you know full time 10 hours a week of grappling uh for the next couple of months and of course yeah. uh, the the day the day before i come home we we go into this lockdown and i've been unable to do any jiu-jitsu at all so uh it's kind of messed up my schedule a little bit but yeah one thing i've definitely noticed any of the videos i've seen in your training you definitely enjoy having a bit of crack at training Oh, you, you keep fun, keep it keep it lively keep it keep the banter going uh, do you think that's an important part of like you know doing the sport long term you need to be able to find that camaraderie nearly i believe so for me yeah. you know uh i think everyone's different some people are um introverted yeah some people are extroverted i'm an extrovert i get energy from being in social interactions uh introverts lose energy spend the energy being in social interactions so for me uh i like it to be uh my fit absolute by far my favorite thing about jiu-jitsu is that um the the, the com camaraderie the team spirit the seeing people being around people helping people grow growing with them you know for me that's by far the biggest and most important thing in grappling uh but that's not necessarily the case for everyone there are lots of people who are very quiet very reserved very shy they come in they get their reps they go home but for me it's got to be fun it's got to be enjoyable for everyone it's got to be lively i want to feel the energy of everyone in the room uh but it's definitely different for everyone definitely uh one thing one thing i definitely thought was interesting was i watched a video about uh about grip training i think it was with joe and uh, you oh, were yeah, talking yeah. about include cognition i'd never <laughs> heard of that term before yes, 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 yes. <laughs> that that's a fucking wonder do you want to explain that one to people yeah so include cognition is essentially that the the, the, the the psychological concept of 
uh, whatever you wear, the, w- what you wear will change the way that you act essentially or change the way that you feel mm. and the experiment and you can you know this is a legit thing you can go and find the the, the data on this but they did an experiment where basically they gave uh, uh they gave some people a um like a scientist lab coat they gave so- some people a uh, painter's uh coat and they gave some people like a doctor's coat and the people who were the painters felt more creative suddenly and the people who were the doctors felt more um compassionate or something and the people who were the scientists were more analytical when in reality the uh the coat was exactly the same for all three yeah so it wasn't to do with what you wear it's to do with how you perceive what you wear if you are lacking confidence and i if i find someone they come to me they go don't feel very confident don't feel very good about myself and what you do you put them in a badass suit of armor where they're looking massive, they're looking scary, they got spikes coming out, you know, maybe their shoes are, are thick and they're taller and everything. <laughs> they're gonna feel like a badass. Suddenly they're yeah. gonna feel a lot more confident. That comes to, uh, they, they've done research, uh, same idea, but it, your posture, the way that you sit, the way that you stand, power positions. They did a test where they had people go to a, a really big indoor skydive, uh, indoor bungee jump. And uh, they had some people do a, a very submissive position. So it was for one minute beforehand, they would curl into a kind of squat down and curl into a ball, close themselves off. Uh, and then they'd have other people do a power position, which is you stick your arms up in the air, stand there for a minute. And then after the minute, they'd say, okay, now jump. And they measured the amount of time that it would take for the person to jump. <laughs> and the people who were in that power position, they went much, much faster than the people who were in that submissive position. Yeah. So that's like when you walk around in life, the way that you stand affects how you feel, how you act. If you smile a lot, you will feel happier. If you frown a lot, you will feel worse if you walk around closed off and hunched over and feeling look at you know if you look submissive your body will know that you're doing that and it will feel submissive if you look broad and powerful and confident then you will be more confident and it's the same with what you wear if you believe that you're wearing something that makes you feel stronger you will feel stronger if you're wearing something that makes you feel weaker you will feel weaker <laughs> when are, when is your own uh, private collection of dungarees coming out <laughs> well, man, I've, I've, I already got the, the lumberjack range that I did with Scramble. Of the, uh, oh, yeah? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you not Fuck. seen that? No, I missed oh, that. <laughs> they, they, they might have some left in stock. I'm not sure, but they might have some left in stock. Oh, I definitely have to. Wait, wait, I've got them right here. Is, we, is the podcast on video as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. Wait, wait. <laughs> I, always have, I always have my branded stuff. Oh, yeah. Reach, regardless of where I am. <laughs> so they've got, it's a rash guard like this. Ah, yes. The lumberjack rash guard and the shorts are Valley Tudo shorts, but they look like denim. Ah, right, so right. I think they've almost sold out, but you should go and check them out and scramble. I think they've got Absolutely. I mean, actual fucking dungarees, man. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. So my, my long term, there'll be a Raspberry Ape uh, denim range, real life denim. Yeah, but definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I work out in denim and if I don't put, a lot of the time, if I don't put my denim on, um, I don't feel so good. If I want to go for a big lift, I'll be putting that denim on a hundred percent. Genuinely. Yeah. hundred percent. Absolutely. And I, I think I, I, I like that a lot because I used to walk in building sites and walk with farmers and stuff back and they all, they all wear jeans and like they'd be lifting some serious shit. And I'm like, 
maybe there's something more to it than just them being used to wearing jeans. It's 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 what you're speaking about in close well, cognition. Well, you, you know, the thing is with jeans, what why jeans? Like it oh, works for denim. anything. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, no, 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 no. But I'm saying like, like I wear jeans, but it works for anything. So you may feel that uh lot. So a lot of people who do grappling will feel that wearing uh, shorts and a rash guard makes them feel stronger. Mm. They will feel better when they put that rash guard on. There's this certain thing, I think, when you're grappling, you put your, your gi on, you feel like you're going into, you feel like you're putting your armor on. You know, Absolutely. So you feel stronger <laughs> when you're in a gi. So some people, I think, don't like to train no gi because they don't feel like they have their their powerful samurai clothing on. Definitely happened to me, man. I hadn't done, I did like three no-gi classes. I had only done gi for like the first year and a half and yeah. then went back after a little break and it was all no-gi classes and I was mm. like, I feel naked out here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's, it's an it's a interesting concept for sure. But yeah, je, je, the re, one of the reasons for jeans, jeans are work clothes, you know? Yeah. They're, they're rugged and they're hard and they're hard wearing um so yeah hardware for hard work that's what exactly we i remember yeah, lumberjack the ranch yeah <laughs> lumberjack range uh i definitely will have have a check at that but i remember a few times walking the building sites and tracksuit bottoms learned the lesson jeans always man jeans yeah, always 100 <laughs> do you think uh strength training in general isn't uh given enough focus maybe in jujitsu i that was one thing I, I often thought about i would obviously be speaking to people at a lot lower level I yeah, find it, I, the level I'm at, it's definitely overlooked. I think that um, I think that a lot of people understand the benefits, and a lot of people understand that they should do it, and it would be better. There, there are very, very, very few elite people who aren't implementing strength and conditioning into their program. Yeah. Um, but at the same, it's it's a really difficult question. Uh, for me, I believe that strength and conditioning goes hand in hand with grappling mm. that they are two sides of the same coin if you look at and and, and, and jiu-jitsu is kind of the first grappling art where those two things have been detached because that was the whole selling point of jiu-jitsu you have to understand there was a reason why those two things were detached because it was part of the brand the brand was Anyone can learn this. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to be big. You don't have to be powerful. If you tell someone that they don't have to be big, don't have to be powerful, don't have to be strong, and then tell them to go and lift weights, it's very, very hypocritical. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Now, you do understand. You don't have to be big. You no. don't have to be strong, but it helps. Yeah. Now, the problem that you have is if you make someone strong, a, it's very difficult to get someone who is starting off in grappling to be technical, to not use power, to not use strength. It's a very difficult thing to do. So you could say you shouldn't do any strength and conditioning until you're purple belt, right? Because then by then you're probably, your technique will be good, but then they're missing out on many years of doing valuable strength and conditioning work. Yeah. So you've got to make sure if you want to if you want to get stronger you have the control the knowledge the understanding the discipline to not use your strength to overcome gaps in your technique and then it could be beneficial regardless of your level but it's very difficult very very hard balance to play yeah definitely definitely i i noticed that early on and like 
uh, trying not to use the strength was something that I, I, I really tried to focus on because I was like, there's no point. Like I could just do, I'm not going to learn anything if I just bully my way out of everything, especially early on, you know? Yeah. But then obviously whenever some uh, higher level belts come, I was like, oh, I have to use my strength here. But that's probably a wrong approach. You should still try and you still go for the technique. And Well, it's degree. all about that balance. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think, I think in a, what, one day when I come up with the perfect program to, to, to take someone from white to black belt with all of the technique and the strength conditioning stuff, yeah. I think that white, white belts, they should prioritize not their strength, but they should prioritize their movement. Mm. their proprioception, their yeah. balance, their, their uh, mobility. They should prioritize their ability to move their body how they need to move their body. Then they start to add some very micro things that can add up to the macro, which is stuff like grip strength. Yeah. Having a strong grip won't really make you lose any technique. No. Having a strong neck will not really make you lose any technique. Being able to move very well in different positions is obviously going to help your technique. And then as you get more efficient with your technique, then you start to implement more of the actual strength training. So I think that there is a tiered approach and a, um, a sliding approach to the different variables that you should be working on. I, I definitely would agree with that. The move, movement moving to, to be able to move well should always be the first approach whenever you're yeah, yeah. Uh, with anything. And one thing I find obviously in, in grappling, you have to be able to get in so many different positions. Your mobility has to be there. Um, yeah. And mobility in a lot of other sports is kind of, it's not as valued as much, but in, you have to be able to get into those positions in grappling. Um, yeah. That tiered system definitely sounds like something you've definitely got something in the works there. If you are going to come out with some sort of plan in the future, Oh yeah. a little there, pyramid system. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, a, a lot of it for me, I feel like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing at the moment. You know, this yeah. is such a crazy time and, and it's a very crazy time for me because this was meant to be a very free time because I've, I've taught, I, I've been anchored to um, Mill Hill BJJ as an instructor there for 12 years. You know, long time, yeah. I was anchored there for a very <laughs> long time and then finally I cut that chain to fly and now i'm locked inside my house oh, fuck. <laughs> you know so it's a very strange time for me but but i think a lot of this comes down to uh when i have a base again when i have a, you know i want to open a gym that has the strength and conditioning and the uh jujitsu stuff and i can get i can have these ideas i can start to make notes i can get the white belt walk through the door and i say look come over here I want to try this on you. I want to experiment. I want to get you to do this. And then in six months time, we're going to start doing that. And then in a year's time, we're going to start doing this. And I think that's when I can really start to take these ideas forward. But eventually, uh, yeah, eventually my goal is to put some level of movement work, strength and conditioning work, uh, and the principles behind that into the, the hands and minds of everyone who does grappling. Unreal. And when it comes to the movement side of things, is there anybody that you like? You you, you learned a lot of from watching, or just maybe emulating early I, on. I, I've been I've been very lucky to uh, have very good movement naturally from being smaller. Right. Uh, there are some some ways that I don't move very well, and there's other ways that I move better. As I'm getting older, I'm not moving as well, but I can still move pretty good. Um, uh, they're, 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 you know, there's some people that I watch, but it's kind of above my head, to be honest with you, like right. the Ida, the Ida Portals and stuff like that. Uh, but 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 I'm always I'm always looking, I'm always watching. There are some interesting people that I'm watching at the moment, and 
Uh, you know, for me, it's, it's continuing down that journey. I'm not yeah. staying where I am. I'm going to continue looking to explore and work on other things. Absolutely. And I could definitely see you, see you in the background as a coach in the future. I could definitely, definitely imagine that. Uh, obviously, you've been doing yeah, it for maybe. a while, but whenever, yeah. you, whenever you're done. But I'll yeah, not take yeah, up yeah. too much more of your time. So we're going to finish off with the last few questions. Okay, all right? go on, hit me. Sweet. So uh, what is the one thing that you've done in lockdown that you wouldn't have done only for that you were stuck in lockdown? Um, what is the one thing that I've done? Or not one thing. Maybe, you could, maybe you've done loads of crazy shit. Who knows? Yeah, I'm trying. Do you know what? I, had an, I, I was thinking about something earlier today that would have been a perfect answer. And I cannot remember <laughs> what it is. I cannot that's, remember what it is. That's all good, um, man. You can come back to it if it come, hits you again. Okay, okay. okay uh, okay. don't know if you're big on, well, you said you started watching The Last last Dance, but is there any yeah, series yeah, yeah. or movies or anything like that that you kick back and enjoyed in lockdown? <laughs> uh, do, do you know what I did watch actually is um, uh, Midnight Gospel. Midnight Gospel. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit wild. It's a bit crazy. Uh, have you ever heard of Duncan Trussell? Name sounds familiar. Not sure who he is. Yeah, he's like a, he's like a crazy. He's a podcaster and comedian, I think. Uh, uh, and he's just a little bit out there. It's a little bit wacky. It's a bit trippy. And uh, but he's turned some of his podcast conversations into really crazy um, animations. Unreal. That's on Netflix. It's very cool though. Class. Uh, yeah. So so I started watching that. I'm not watching a lot of TV at the moment. Playing, playing a little bit too much Call of Duty, just a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, are you on Warzone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My fucking uh, PlayStation hasn't got enough memory on it, and I'm glad because I'd be addicted. Oh, I was mate, that child was... when I was younger. I was five, six hours killing in the evening just playing. Well, you know what? It, it, it was going pretty well for me in about the last week. The last couple of days has gone so badly. I just put my controller <laughs> down yesterday. I was like, you know what? I don't even think I'm going to pick this up again. Uh, but I haven't been watching too much TV. Uh, the new Rick and Morty's uh, Midnight Gospel's good. Um, I watch a few other good TV shows. Class, yeah, I, I, I want to into... watch the rest of the Last Dance for sure. Last Dance. I haven't started digging into the new season of Rick and Morty yet. That'll have to be hit up. It's good. Absolutely. It's good. Uh, any? Are you big at your? I know you're a fan of some heavier music, but are you, uh, any albums or anything like that that you would be like that stand out to you that you like those? Um, goes crazy. It goes out there as as you like. Uh, do, do you know what the the one that I'm the one that I'm into a, a lot of the moment is. Uh, you know, I've always been a fan of it, but definitely getting into it more is a Mongolian throat singing and sort ah. of uh, music from that sort of uh, region of the world. Class. Uh, there's, there's something very uh, primal, and uh, I like to live to that. There's a band called Hua uh, Hun uh, Tu, and they have, they have a few really cool uh, songs. And cool How many times did you have to practice that? <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't even know if that's right to be honest with you it's like h-u-u-r h-u-u-n-t-u with a dash in between all of those uh but they're cool um what other music uh yeah i, I tell you what i've been trying to learn the guitar a little bit in lockdown oh, yeah. it's one of the things that i've been trying to do uh yeah. not going too successfully to be honest with you uh yeah a few things you don't yeah, and, see and, and just yeah go on you don't seem like someone who likes sitting around too much. You like keeping yourself busy all the time. Yeah, you, gotta, you know, you don't want to sit around. I'm trying to read more. You know, I'm listening to a lot of audio books, smashing through uh, Malcolm Gladwell stuff, which I really highly recommend for everyone. Yeah, He's got a lot of books out there and, 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 and uh, Malcolm Gladwell stuff's really awesome. Um, I was yeah. actually going to ask you, for, ask you any, any books that you've been digging into, but there you touched on it. What one yeah. are you reading at the moment or listening? Uh, I just finished, um, I'm listening to Tip and Point at the moment, but it's like three hours. Mm. I just finished David and Goliath, which is really good. 
Uh, and then when I was in Australia, I listened to uh, Talking the Strangers, obviously Outliers, and I also listened to Blink as well. So I'm pretty much done <laughs> the majority of his books. Um, yeah. Fair play. I, I've been trying to dig into audiobooks a lot more before uh, lockdown. I haven't been getting as much in. But I find a lot, I listen to a lot, but I find it hard taking in the information. Is that something that do you just listen to enjoy or do you maybe revisit and try and take out any information from them? Uh, you're absolutely right. You have to have a hundred percent focus. You cannot mm. listen. You cannot listen to an audio book if you are um, doing something that requires any mental faculty, Not really. Uh, I think driving's a bit of an exception because you, you, you drive so much that it doesn't require much that much processing especially if you're doing a lot of motorway stuff like i do when i go on seminars and stuff like that yeah uh so i generally listen when i when when i walk the dog when i drive uh and sometimes i'll sit outside you know the weather's really pretty nice at the moment so i sit outside and sunbathe and and listen to audiobooks definitely a very good way of getting information though definitely definitely i i would find audiobooks a lot better for me than reading but then sometimes it's you know the focus thing you do need to be fully conscious when like you can't be diverting your attention at all or it's it's wasted you're just not even listen to it really yeah you know? so i i like to have uh one audio book and one or two uh physical books on the go at any time mm. and do you find it hard to be able to manage between like three different bits or do you kind of give a little bit here or just a little bit of each each day or as long as they uh i think as long as they're different right it helps i i think i that was a yeah i, I listened to another book that spoke about actually uh studying three different topics at almost the same time you know with with a different times but kind of condensed mm. together is actually more beneficial than studying the same topic instead you know if that makes oh, sense yeah. yeah so maybe listen to three vastly different books and 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 some of the books that i re- you know I'll, I'll i'll read a book that is almost polar opposite to the other one um and then i get that whole where you, you, you kind of get that, 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 that duality and I don't know mm. who I am or uh, <laughs> what, what, what existence means and I get an existential crisis. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Yeah, I think maybe I just need that whenever I'm doing shit like that, I need to fucking get books that are different. I'm an awful man. I'll get like uh, two sort of self-development book and a history book and I'm like, right, three of them are kind of similar here maybe you need to go completely down a different venture with yeah that. so i think like uh the, the, i'm listening to uh, tipping point at the moment which is sort of a um uh study of society almost and a lot mm. of the principles and concepts around that um Ma- malcolm Gladwell's very is in my opinion the most engaging audio book that i've listened to uh they, 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 he, he they're all read by him uh, and he's very, very engaging and the content's very good. Uh, then the, <clears throat> one of the books that I'm reading is a book, a book about sort of the cultural origins of hunting. It's a very manly and yes. it's a very, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, it's a very fiery book. Yeah. And then the other book I'm reading is about um, sort of meditation and peacefulness and very uh, contrastly, very watery, uh, very, very two opposite things. Yeah. So uh, that's where I get, I get split between the two. So I read one during the day when the sun's out and one at night when the moon's out. <laughs> Brilliant, man. Brilliant. Eh? <laughs> Thanks again for coming on. It's been My a pleasure, pleasure man. You're, you're definitely an interesting character. And I'll, uh, I appreciate that. 
Where, where can people find you? What's your Instagram name? I can't remember off the top of my head. So Instagram is raspberry underscore ape. Uh, Twitter it. is also raspberry underscore ape. I don't use Twitter much, but if because I don't use it much, if you message me, you'll probably get a reply. Uh, my website should be back up soon as raspberryape.com. It's down at the moment, but I'm hoping for it to be up uh, next week. Uh, YouTube is uh, youtube.com forward slash raspberryape. Raspberryape podcast also has an Instagram, which is at raspberryapepodcast. Uh, and you can find the Raspberry podcast on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, pretty much all of them. Practice that so many times you can just tell, can't you? (laughs) Class, thanks, man.